This is the biggest King James Bible I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, large friend. I'm there. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for coming back tonight. And uh, we'll, we've got tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Hope you can come. And then tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Get your Bibles, if you will, boys and girls, and turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And uh, we're going to uh, use this chapter tonight. And what a great service this morning. Your music is just fabulous. I love your music. And uh, keep it up. Keep the old, you want the Holy Spirit of God to work. That's what you want. And uh, the music is just tremendous here. Luke chapter 14. And we're going to read uh, verse 22, 23, and 24. And then we're going to go back and take a look at this chapter here. Preacher, you turned 70. Is that right? Yes, sir. You did. My wife gave this. Oh, this year you'll turn 70. Okay. Oh. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> My wife gave this to me when I turned 70. She said, this is how you know you're growing old. It's everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you look forward to a dull evening. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. You sit in a rocking chair and can't get it going. How about this? Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. <laughs> what else did she put on here? Circles. She's, oh, oh, yeah, I like this. You know all the answers, but nobody asks you the questions. <laughs> you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. That's how you know that you're growing old. I like that. Luke chapter 14, verse 22, 23, and 24. If you have that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment here, please. Luke chapter 14 and verse uh, 22, 23, and 24. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 22, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Now I discovered something. I discovered that if you win fat people to the Lord, you can fill the house quicker. <laughs> Just something I discovered. Uh, I, I'd give uh, points, you know, to people who'd get, get oversized people in because we wanted to fill the building. Now look what, that was funny. Verse 24. <laughs> For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now there's a parable here of, uh, of a marriage supper of a king and his, and his son. You know what a parable is. It's an earthly story uh, with a heavenly truth. One of these days, you're, there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be a shout, military shout, and the dead in Christ are coming up just like that. We which are alive will be changed. I'm going to shout right now. But we which are alive will be changed in a twinkling of an eye the Bible says, and we'll be out of here. Now, we'll be in the air with the Lord. Uh, there will be a seven-year tribulation period that will happen on earth. We won't be a part of it, and we'll be in the sky. There'll be the, uh, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. There'll be the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. 
But on earth, the first three and a half years is going to be a false peace. Israel's going to be lulled into a sense of peace. But it's just the stage being set for the Antichrist and the beast. The last three and a half years, all hell is going to break loose on earth. And I mean literally from hell. And uh, we'll not be a part of that, thank God. We'll be in heaven. But in this parable, God is saying, I want you to be busy. And I want you to win everybody you can because that day is coming. So I want you to win your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, your school friends. I want you to win everybody that you can to the Lord. Because one of these days, you're going to be taken out. We're going to be gone. And we'll not have another opportunity to tell them about how to be saved. Time is running out. Satan is working harder than he's ever worked in his life. And I've never seen such open public vulgarity in my life as I've seen in these days. I was raised by an old-fashioned mom and daddy that taught me to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And uh, there were... You just, you just did not speak the language that you hear. I fly every week of the world, and I hear ladies, so I'm sorry, females, using four-letter words in public. And I honestly will take a bar of soap and wash their mouth out. This is a terrible day that we're living in. Your children, if they're in a public school, are being taught socialism, communism, under the guise of liberalism. And you and I are in a day when we've got to get busy. We've got to get busy. Abortion, the Democrats will not vote for a wall, but they'll vote to increase the money so there'll be more abortions. Babies killed. I've never seen such a day in my life. And I, my daddy was a Democrat. My mama was a Democrat. But I'm telling you right now, this is not the Democratic Party of my mama and my daddy. And somebody say Amen. I'm not preaching politics tonight. I'm saying tonight that we're in a bad situation. And we're going to have to get busy and win people to Christ. Your neighbor, may be, you may be the only hope for your neighbor. You may be the only hope for your co-worker. Somebody, you're saying to yourself, why are we still standing? I want you to know how I feel. <laughs> so I had to get it in there. So I want to talk to you tonight on this thing. God's simple plan, this subject. God's simple plan. Don't make it complicated. Our church grew from 154 to averaging 2,000 in Sunday school, baptizing 50 to 100 a week. And it was, a, 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 I mean, you just, it was a, amazing, absolutely amazing. But it was very simple, very simple. So I want you to get a pen out. I want you to take some notes tonight, and we're, we'll, not, we'll not be long. This is a six-hour message, but you'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I said that in New Jersey. The woman stood up and said, not tonight, and she walked out. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, God's simple plan using this parable. Father, help me now. I need your help. These are good people. These are solid people. To see a great crowd like this on a Sunday night blesses my heart. And God, I thank you for a church like this, that, that this is the reason that our, our nation is free. This is the reason that we have the liberty that we have. Now, Holy Ghost of God, walk up and down these aisles and go from pew to pew and person to person and talk to us tonight. Please help us tonight. Help us to put one more brick of truth in that wall of life. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. 
I'm going to pick these tracks up I threw down on the floor. I did not mean to do that. Now, if I can get back up, we'll be okay. This parable is about a marriage. The parable gives us some very practical pointers in it about what we're to do to get ready for that marriage of the Lamb. It's our duty. It's our job. It's our obligation, personally, for all of us to win souls to Christ. Because time is running out. I had a gentleman this morning who's, I'm sure he's here tonight, and he walked up to me and he said, I'm 81 years of age. He said, I led 16 people to Christ last year. He said, I'm shooting for 20 this year. Now, I got to tell you something. That warmed my heart. You ought to be excited about telling people how to be saved. You ought to be, shoot, they're more afraid of you are than you are of them. You walk down with a Bible in your arm, they'll all run and hide. But you are supposed to go out and tell them how to be saved. Now, let me give you some things here that I've discovered this chapter that I, we practiced in our church that made a difference. Look at verse 13, if you would. But when thou makest a feast, number one, write this down. Make church a feast. Make church a feast. You see, there are some things, you have to understand that the pulpit and the pew work together when it comes to preaching and teaching the Word of God. It's not just a matter of the pulpit alone, it's the pulpit and the pew. That means that you are to work with the preacher as he preaches the Word of God. Now, for example, saying amen doesn't mean you're spiritual. But it'll dead sure keep you awake. And saying amen, I thought it was funnier than that. Uh, now, but somewhere you need to understand that saying amen encourages the preacher. But it also says to everybody in your section, I agree with that. There is a hell. There is a heaven. You've got to be born again. That way we can work together as a team. When the preacher preaches the truth, then you ought to respond by saying Amen. Now, all of you men stand up now. All you men stand up. If you've got britches on, stand up. All right? All you've got to do is look down. Uh, now, on the count of three, say amen. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Uh, now, that's Methodist level. You ready? One, two, three. Amen. Now, sit down and keep it up. I'm telling you, it makes a difference. The great churches that I've uh, been around, I've been uh, with John Rice and Bill Rice and Brother Hiles and Brother Robertson and Lester Roloff and so on, there was a great work done between the pulpit and the pew. Now, when the preacher gets up and says, hell is real, you say what? Amen. Now, all you ladies stand up. All you ladies stand up now. You thought you were going to get away, didn't you? <laughs> all right, you ready? All right. On the count of three, smile and say, uh-huh. All right. Well, I hadn't counted yet. Uh, one, two, three. Uh-huh. I sit down and keep it up. <laughs> I know you left your teeth home, but gum it, baby. Uh, somewhere in here, you're going to have to understand, we've got to, we've got to break the ice here. Something's got to happen here. We can, the great churches that I've uh, known and the, and, the, and the people that have gotten the work done for God, it wasn't uh, that the preacher preached his heart out and the pe people in the pew just stood there and stared at him like a bunch of wooden Indians. No, you've got to respond. Okay, the Bible says with the fruit of your, Hebrews 13, the fruit of your lips you're to give praise to God. The Bible says over and over again, and all the people said amen. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason is we want to make church a feast. 
when somebody comes to visit here, we don't want them to look down the pew and see everybody sleeping while the preacher. I was preaching one Sunday morning, and a guy fell asleep over here, 12 sections, lower floor, 10 in the balcony. And not, bad enough, he fell asleep, and he was snoring. And so I hollered, at him, wake that guy up. And the guy next to him said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. Uh, now, you know, there's a reason why the preacher tells his famous joke that he's told 10,000 times. You know why? Because your attention span is about three to five minutes. About three to five minutes, you're gone. Some of you have been gone for a long time. But, uh, you're gone. Some of you are sitting here right now saying, did we let the cat out? Uh, yeah, did we shut the stove off? Your mind wanders. So what's the preacher do? The preacher will use humor to get you back so he can get the truth to you. B.R. Lakin told me one time, son, put some orange juice in that casserole. Uh, and you need to understand the preacher's doing that on purpose because he wants everybody to get the truth that he has to give to them. Now, you ought to help him. That's why you, in the choir, when you say in the choir, if he's preaching, you're in the choir. Uh, we had a 70-voice choir, 40-piece orchestra. I love music. I love music that the Holy Spirit of God can use and touch hearts. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, uh, and when I get up to preach, I, sometimes I got controversial. That's hard to believe, isn't it? And uh, so, sometimes I say some things I probably shouldn't say on a Sunday morning. We're on radio. We're live. Hi. Uh, uh, but uh, if I say something controversial, I don't need some little old lady in the front row up here shaking her head going, Oh, no, he did it again. He did it again. Harriet, he said it again. I don't need that because people are looking past me to the choir to see how we're doing because they're checking them out. Are they? So I tell the little old ladies, if I say something uh, uh, that's controversial, I want you to smile and nod your head up and down and say under your breath, I wish he wouldn't say that. Uh, but let's work together as a team. Isn't that what happened in Acts chapter 2? The same mind, same accord, one place. Is that not where the Holy Ghost of God was poured out? I'm telling you tonight, somewhere in here, we got to understand, you're going to have to be, do your part in the pew and help the preacher as he preaches and does his part. That's why you've got to nod your head up and down. You've got to say amen. You've got to smile and laugh when he tells that dumb joke. He tells it... <laughs> And then the only one that laughs is the one visitor that came. And he's a cackler. <laughs> and everybody looks at him and says, he thought that was funny. He ought to live here all the time. Now, somewhere in here, we're going to have to work to make church a feast. That's why the bus routes ought to be exciting. Sunday school class ought to be exciting. Preaching ought to be exciting. The singing ought to be exciting. And it's up to you to do your part and make sure you work together with the preacher so that everybody gets a chance to get saved, get born again, serve the Lord, make church a feast. Is that not what he said here? Make church a feast. Well, that's what you're supposed to do then. You're supposed to make church a feast. Now, if some of you women, uh, if you die the way you look tonight, that mortician's going to earn his bucks, baby, I promise you. They're going to roll you in, lift up that, oh, no, another one. Uh, uh, look, it's somewhere in here. You, you've got an opportunity to be a part of this and work together on this. So make church a feast. Number two, the second thing that I notice in this scripture here, beginning with verse 12 all the way through, look at verse 13. But when thou makest a feast, look at the next thing. Call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. What does he say? Make church a feast. What does he say? Call the poor. Call the poor. Now, if you'll notice in the Bible, the rich came to Jesus by night. What did he tell him to do? Call the poor. Call the poor. 
Uh, so you win the poor to Christ, and then if you're not careful, you become critical of it. So, well, I'll tell you what, boy, since that, those buses have been running, we've had nothing but trouble. Well, I, listen, I tell preachers all the time, give me a, a sermon tape, let me listen to it, and I'll tell you whether you've got the right kind of church or not. In the middle of the sermon, if you don't say, hey, hey, sit down back there, put that gun up, what's the matter with you? you <laughs> listen, if you, we ran 40 bus routes, buddy. We ran from Shreveport, to, we ran to Louisiana, uh, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. And, buddy, those kids loved it. They loved it. But, boy, you bring in some rough ones every once in a while when you bring them in. Well, God bless you. You weren't so perfect before you got saved either, you know. That's why somebody's got to care about them. Call the poor. Don't ever be critical of the fact that poor people are getting saved. Thank God they're getting saved. Thank God they're. I was born poor, raised poor. I, uh, the pants I wore in grade school were were, were uh, Cub Scout pants, a Cub Scout shirt. I didn't even know what a Cub Scout was. And, but it was the only clothes. I had got it from a Catholic, uh, uh, from a bunch of nuns that had a clothing closet. That's how I got my clothes. I was raised poor. I know what it's like to be poor. And I'm telling you right now, the Bible, for a reason, God said, call the poor. They'll listen quicker than rich will. They'll listen to you about, come on, say amen to me now. They'll listen to you a lot quicker than, than the guy that's living on millionaire lane. Now, all right, number one, now you talk to me now. Number one, we're going to make church a what? Feast. feast. Talk to me. We're going to make church a? Feast. feast. Louder. We're going to make church a? Feast. feast. I can't hear you. are going to make church a? Feast. feast. That is important that you do your part. Make church a feast. You, how do you do it? By saying amen. How do you do it? By singing out. How do you do it? By using the altar. How do you do it? Be active. Be excited about what's going on. And don't act like you know it all either. To you, here's church to some of you. Church is Sunday morning. Da 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 da. George, dismiss us in prayer and come back tonight for another whoopee exciting service. Sunday night. Da 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 da. Harriet, dismiss us in prayer. Da 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 da. Come back Wednesday night for another whoopee exciting service. This is why I like my kind of preaching, because I don't even know what I'm going to do next. I'm telling you right now, I had one Sunday morning, a guy in the back stood up, and the invitation got started, and I was, I was going down to get a convert I had down here, and, and he jumped up and ran down the front, and I, I, I didn't know what was going on, I said, are you okay? He said, you were coming after me, weren't you? <laughs> I, said, I said, no, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> now, somewhere in here, you're going to have to say, I'm going to be a part of this as a team effort, and we're going to work together, and we're going to make church a feast. Now, if a visitor comes and sits on the pew and you're sitting there look like you've uh, been, been uh, sucking on persimmons all day, uh, that, you know, that's not going to help any. You give an invitation, you don't move, and somebody stuck in the middle wants to go get saved, and you, you can't even move down to come to altar, that, that, then you're going to hurt the cause of Christ. That's why it's important that you make church a feast. All right, number two, we're going to call the... Lord. Louder. Call the... Lord. Talk to me. Call the... Poor, and don't be ashamed of it. John chapter 4, the woman at the well, remember her? Yeah, she'd been married five times. And Jesus pointed it out. And you get mad at the preacher because he preaches against your sin. You said, well, that preacher, he did everything but call my name. We'll come back next Sunday night and we'll call your name. <laughs> Jesus pointed out and said, you've been, girl, you've been married five times. 
And then he didn't stop there. And he said, you're shacked up now. That's what, come on, that's what Jesus said. If you don't know you're a sinner, there's no need for you to get saved. Old-fashioned hellfire, damnation, Baptist preaching is not going to hurt you. It's going to help you. Thank God he rings your doorbell. Thank God he answers your mail. Thank God. And just you walk out and say, well, who told the preacher? Well, the Holy Ghost told the preacher. You and I need to understand what God is saying here. God is saying, make church a feast. Make it a feast. Make it a feast. Then number two, call the poor. Call the poor. Call the poor. Don't be ashamed of it. Remember how those staff members went to town and they come back with hamburgers. <laughs> they said, Lord, have you any meat? And Jesus said, I got meat to eat that you know not of. And what he was talking about was that woman getting saved. Because Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 talks about that there may be meat in my house. What's that? That's souls. So he, he said, I, look, boys, you don't understand at all. Now, wait a minute. That same gal, been married five times, shacked up now, living in adultery, went to the same town that the staff went to. They brought back hamburgers. She brought back souls. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. She brought back souls to the Savior. Listen, I'm just saying to you, these folks that you get saved, they'll, make, they'll get excited about it, and they'll run circles around you if you get them saved getting in church. Number one, we're going to make church a what? Feast. Feast. Good. Number two, we're going to call the oh. poor. And don't be ashamed of it. And the, the staff came back and they looked at that wicked woman and Jesus talking to her. And they, they said to themselves, what is she got that's going to help us? That wasn't the question. What did Jesus have that would help her? That was the question. All right. Now let's take a look at, at something here. Verse 12. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. In verse 14, And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. I said, number one, we're going to make church a feast. I said, number two, we're going to call the poor. Number three, don't expect the converts to pay the bills. Don't expect the converts to pay the bills. I used to be scared to death talk about tithes and offerings until I finally figured out in my first pastorate that when, when something was due, they called me. They didn't call anybody in the church. So I, I, I quickly figured out I'm going to take that offering plate and bounce the knock the members on top of the head and say, you better give. <laughs> and then I've, I've told our church members, if you don't give, I'm going to give them your number to call you instead of calling me. <laughs> Amen, man, now. Now, somewhere in here you need to understand, you, you, we're not doing this because we're reaching people that got money. Uh, we're, you say, oh, boy, we, we, uh, we, we're driving around town uh, there's a banker, we need to get him. There's a lawyer, we need to get him. We, we look at that way of doing it because they'll help bring status to our church. And they got money and they bring money. Then, uh, I mean, they're actually independent Baptists who talk about, look for uh, certain types of cars that are driven by certain people and look at certain uh, businessmen. Uh, if you're going to build it, listen, God said, call the poor. And God said, I'll pay the bills, thank you. I'll take care of the bills. And God will take care of the bills. When I went to Longview, we had 400 in drive-in when I went there, and it didn't take long. They got mad at me, and they left. I didn't understand that. To love, know me is to love me. And, uh, but we had about 154 left and had a 1,200-seat auditorium. 
And uh, man, when I got up in the, on Sunday, he said, good morning. It echoed, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. And uh, the, anyway, uh, they uh, went across town and started the church. And, and here we were sitting there with a $8,000 budget with $2,250 coming in. And I mean, we were drowning. I mean, we were dying. But boy, I made up my mind. I was going to win souls. I was going to keep people out of hell. And I remember one time I had uh, $10,000 worth of bills in my office. And I laid them out on the floor. And I begged God, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And it seemed like the Holy Spirit said, son, get up and go soul winning. If you go soul winning, I'll take care of those bills. Now, I didn't hear any audible voice or anything, but I felt like that's what the Holy Spirit said. So I got up and went soul winning. I come back and I laid convert names down on every one of those bills in my office. And I got on my face and said, okay, I did my part. Uh, I need your help. And I remember the secretary, Sue, opened the door and said, preacher, uh, can I come in? I said, no, not unless you got a check for $10,000. And she said, would a certified check do? And I thought, what? And she went, like the printed crack in that door, that check was flying through the air like, like that. And, buddy, I grabbed that thing. Hallelujah. Glory. I spoke in tongues. And uh, <laughs> hallelujah. If you're visiting, I'm joking there. Uh, but, uh, but God took care of it. I learned a great lesson. I learned a great lesson. What, what price are you going to put on the soul of a little boy or a little girl or a husband or a wife, a mom and dad? I, I tell you that God will respond and God will take care of you. When I retired, we, our budget was $62,300 a week. That's how much God cared about it. We had 40 bus routes. Oh, we were reaching people right and left. And that's the way it ought to be. I said, number one, we're going to make church a what? Amen. Feast. And all the men are going to say what? Amen. And all the women are going to say what? Uh-huh. That's better than the amens. <laughs> number two, we're going to call the... Poor. No, quit looking for the rich men and the rich women. Let them come to you. I don't know how many times people run for office and they'd come to our, our place. You know how we got our uh, attorney? He came to our place. He's running for, for district attorney. And he came along with 10 other politicians. And I introduced him on a Sunday morning. And I looked up Sunday night and he came back with his wife and family on, on, on Sunday night. I went back and I, I said, Mike, are you running for office tonight? No. He said, man, alive, I haven't heard anybody preach like that my whole life. I'll come back to see if you're going to do it a second time. <laughs> so we had Sunday night. He came back Wednesday night. Came back the next Sunday. Came back the next Sunday. Next thing you know, they're walking out, getting saved and baptized, and joining our church. Yeah, I didn't have to pay a legal bill for 30 years. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I didn't go looking for him. He went looking for the Lord. Now, please understand, get busy. Call the poor. You know why Paul's life was spared so many times? Because there were so many converts out there, so many people saved. They took care of Paul. And God will take care of you if you'll take care of his business. All right, I said, number one, we're going to make church a what? Feast. Feast. Oh, come on, talk to me. We're going to make church a what? Feast. Feast. Number two, we're going to call the poor. Number three, do not expect converts to pay the bills. Number four, trust God to pay the bills. God said, I will recompense thee. I will recompense thee. We went week after week after week, barely making it, barely making it, barely making it. And I remember one, one night, oh my goodness, we were, we were hurting. Oh, we were hurting. And uh, it was, uh, we'd done good, but we were scraping by. And I preached on Sunday night. People came, got saved, got baptized. And, and then a couple came down at the minute, uh, last minute and sat down, said they want to join the church. I said, uh, assistant pastor, I said, that's good. I said, let me talk to them. I went down and said, are you saved? Yes, we're saved. 
I said, uh, you, you, are you Baptist people? Yeah, we're Baptist people. I said, well, we're glad you're coming. And so they joined. So I went to visit them that week. I don't, soul winning is soul winning. Visiting is visiting. It's two separate things in my world. And so I had their address. I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So I went to the post office and said, where is this? They said, it's a new subdivision back here. Oh, okay. So I went back and I found it. Man, you're talking about expensive. Oh, man, beautiful, beautiful homes. And uh, I drove down and I found it. I thought, man, there's got to be a mistake somewhere. <laughs> Joining our church. And this. Anyway, I, I went and rang the doorbell and the doorbell played Mozart. That scared me. And uh, then pretty soon a man came to the door and I said, Does so-and-so live here? He said, yes. And he said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Pastor Gray. They joined our church Sunday night. I'd like to just chat with him if I could. He said, well, follow me. So I went in, went in, we went in like this. And it was open courtyard with the waterfalls in the, uh, the middle of the courtyard of the house. And I sat down and I thought, oh, my goodness, this has got to be a mistake. And here come the gentleman. He walked over, sat down. We shook hands and began to chat. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to ask him, why did you join our church? But I thought, no, man, I don't want to do that. He'll, he'll think I'm after his money. Uh, I don't want to do that. So, but finally, he just got the best of me. And I said, man, I'm so glad that you joined. I said, uh, uh, glad you did. What brought you our way? And he said, you don't remember us, do you? And I said, no, I don't remember you. He said, we visited you six months ago, and we visited every church we could in the area looking for a home church. And uh, uh, so we decided yours is the one that we wanted to join. I said, well, good. I said, what was it? He said, well, uh, it's the only church we saw where people got saved. It was the only church we saw poor people. It was the only church where you told the teenagers, sit up and shut up. And he said, I got teenagers, and I need all the help I can get. And I said, well, good. You're at the right place. And so he reached in his pocket, and he said, uh, preacher, I'm in, a, I'm in a dilemma here. This, this is our tithe check. And he said, should we send it back to the church we just left, or should we put it in the church here? We're not sure which is biblically, scripturally right to do. Should we t send it back there, or should we put it in here? Now, my eyes are going, uh, <laughs> like that, but I won't say nothing because I think I'm after his money, you know. And, uh, and he, he said, uh, what do you think we should do? I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I said, you ought to tithe where your membership is. He said, okay. He said, here, take it. It's not cash. It's a check. Take it. And he went like this to me. And I couldn't, my hands wouldn't move. I was sitting there going, take it, grab it, get it, quick. And he said, here, go Pastor, go ahead and take it. Go ahead and take it. So I took it. Man, my hand is shaking. You know what I wanted to do? Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I was shaking like this. I put it in my pocket like that. And I said, thank you. Thank you. I, I, we'll, we'll see you Sunday. God bless you. And I, I'm stammering, fumbling around, you know, thinking about that, this big house and that check. And so I get outside in the front porch. You know what I wanted to do? Look at the check. But I said, no, he's looking through that peephole. See if I'm looking at that check. Man, I'm paranoid. And uh, so I got in my car. You know what I wanted to do? Look at the check. But I thought, no, he's got the curtains pulled back to see if I'm looking that check. I drove down the end of the street, the stop sign. You know what I wanted to do? Look at the check. But I said, no, he's got binoculars out. <laughs> Have you ever got a love offering check, gone to the bathroom to look at it? Anyway, uh, I, I went down to church. And, man, I'm paranoid, man. And I got underneath the steering wheel and popped it. It was a check for $40,000. $40,000. You know what it was? God in heaven said, keep winning them. Keep winning them.
Keep I'll take care of you. Keep when my back was against the wall, God said, come here, Gabriel. Let's, let's send him $40,000 and see what happens. I'm just telling you there's a God. Well, somebody say amen. There's a God in heaven. Don't worry about the budget. You make sure you're winning souls. Getting people saved. Down the aisle, baptized. Put them in the pew. Preach a devil out of them. That'll work. Old-fashioned fundamentalism will work. All right? So number one, we're going to make church a what? Feast. Doing good. Number two, we're going to call the poor. Number three, do not expect converts to pay the bills. Number four, we're going to trust God to pay the bills. Now, the fifth point, and quickly, we've got to hurry. You're not listening fast enough. Number five. Prepare for converts. In verse 16, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. The supper was made. Verse 17, And when his servant and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden come, for all things are now ready. So, prepare for converts. What's that mean? Put water in the baptistry. What does that mean? Have name takers down here. What does that mean? Have altar workers lined up ready for people to walk down. What does that mean? I, I mean, uh, get some baptismal robes and get some hair nets for the men and, uh, and baptize them. Hold them under till they blubber. They'll be glad to tithe. <laughs> Let me up. But uh, trust God to pay the bills. Prepare for converts. We have a... Oh, I, I told our folks, look, if somebody says, look, I, I don't have a suit... Sunday, I don't have a suit. You can go down to Goodwill and get a suit for a dollar and a half, two bucks. There's no reason why you can't help them. Lady says, I don't have a dress for Sunday morning. Now, I don't care how you come. Just make sure you got clothes on. But, but, but I wouldn't mind buying a dress for you to help you. Your kids need shoes. I wouldn't mind doing that. I'd do anything I could to help you to make sure you get started out in the right foot. I'd do that. Would you? Do you care? Uh, that maybe we ought to become a little bit more involved in this. Look, our church baptized 4,645 people the last year I was there. 135 of those were ones that God allowed me to lead to Christ and bring to church. Now let me ask you a question. Where'd the others come from? They weren't mine. There were were people sitting in the pews that did their part. We worked together. We were a team. Now I say quickly, we got to hurry. Number six, remove the excuses. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Now that man lied. You don't buy ground and then go look at it. Verse 19. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Now that boy lied too. Look at the next one. And another said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He told the truth. Now, the point being is remove their excuses. I don't have a car. I'll pick you up Sunday morning. I don't have uh, church clothes. I'll get you some church clothes. Well, my kids don't have shoes. I'll get you some shoes. You ever thought about that? You know, instead of hollering at these poor girls coming in here and they don't know how to dress, why don't you buy them a dress? Instead of fussing at the boys because they don't dress right, why don't you try helping them? Might cost you a little money. But it'd be well worth it. Well worth it. And the last point. Aren't you proud of me? This is the last point. I'm proud of me. <laughs> Are you ready? This is interesting. Take a look at verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper 
and bade many. Watch it now. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that word. What's the next word? Bidden. Say it out loud. What is it? Bidden. Come, for all things are now ready. Now go down to verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges, and what? Compel them to come in, my house may be filled. Watch verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men which were, what's the word? Bidden, shall taste of my supper. This is the last point, and I'm through. Do you know what he's saying here? Let's turn our bidding into compelling. Let's turn our bidding into compelling. Now here's what we do. We'll say to people, here, read this. When you get a chance, would you read this? I'm, I'm busy. I've got a lot of things to do, but would you read that? It, it, it's no big deal. Just tell you how to, you're to miss hell. Why don't you just read that when you get a chance? When you get a chance, would you read that? If you get a chance, would you read that? Now, that's exactly what we're doing. We're bidding, but not compelling. Would you read that? Would you get a chance? It's not very important. I've got things to do, you know. I'm a busy man. I've got places to go. I've got important things to do. This will tell you how to keep from going to hell, but I haven't got time to explain it to you. You just hear, read that when you get a chance. You know, when you get a chance. When you get a chance, would you read that when you get a chance? I led a drug dealer to Christ. He was so excited. He came to church, got baptized. And the next week, he gave me a list of friends. He said, preacher, these are my friends. I want them saved so bad I can taste it. I said, well, let's go. With the very first one, he said, now this, this one, I overdosed. And he saved my life. Said, All these guys here, I want this guy saved. We knocked on the door. His buddy opened the door. He recognized his friend. And he hugged him and said, come on in. And he said, well, this is my pastor. Oh, boy. Did that throw cold water on everything. So I walked in, and uh, he said to his friend, he said, my pastor got something to show you, something to tell you. And his friend looked at him and said, don't tell me you got the blankety-blank religion. Don't tell me that. And I don't want to hear that. And he looked at me, and he said, just get the blank out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you. Leave. And I put my track down. I said, well, my phone number's on there. I said, you're going to need a preacher one day. I said, you call me. I'll be waiting for you. And I turned and walked to the door to leave. When I stepped outside the door, my person I led to Christ, my soul partner, wasn't there. And I turned around and looked in the room. And he was in between the legs of his friend holding on to his shirt, shaking him like that, crying like a baby. And he said to him, Oh, please, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. This is real. Please trust Christ. Please trust Christ. And it was but a few minutes later, and you saw tears coming down his buddy's eyes. And then his buddy got saved after a few minutes. You know what I was doing? Here, read that. 
you get a chance to read that. You know what my young convert was doing? He was compelling. He was compelling. And the tears and the compassion God used. Could that be what's wrong? Now, I understand if you're going through a drive-thru and you've got cars behind you, I understand that. Give them a track, move on. But if it's soul-winning time, maybe you ought to take the time. Turn your bidding into compelling. Very simple. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.